breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. I have to start by giving a shout-out and a just humbling congratulations to the Chicago Cubs. And this is coming from a guy who grew up in Wisconsin. And as you know, us uh, Wisconsinites um, are not only cheeseheads, but... We have rivalries with Chicago. So, yeah, I grew up a Brewers fan, and now living in Arizona for 20 years, I'm a uh, Diamondbacks fan. Uh, but you have to tip our hat, our collective hat, to the Chicago Cubs. Americans love an underdog. Americans love a story of redemption. We love the removal of that curse, a curse that has finally been removed from Chicago, they can no longer say that they've been deprived for over a hundred years. Last since 1908, and I'm sure there's a lot of sports enthusiasts, a lot of experts, former pro athletes that will do a lot better job than I in reviewing what this all means. But boy, that last game, that game seven, was just phenomenal, unbelievable. And with the rain delay, you couldn't help but make analogies to the elections we are about to undergo. Will there be other powers that be that make these into a nail-biter? Certainly, either team winning this week would have had a blessed sanction of what their victory meant, while the elections, I think, are are quite different for us, but... uh, The division, the energy, the stress is all there. And, you know, you look at the last time the Chicago Cubs were champions was in 1908. 1908. You know, since this is reform this, and we're talking about the Islamic world, 1908, just to put a sort of emphasis on what was happening in the world, there was a caliphate in 1908. The Ottoman Caliphate, the Ottoman Caliph, existed and was brought to an end as it became the sick man of Europe and then ultimately in 1924 made the 
caliph obsolete and ended the Ottoman rule, the Ottoman Empire, and put it into the dustbin of history. Clearly, ISIS is trying to bring back the caliphate, but it sort of puts it in perspective that there has not been a Chicago Cubs championship since there used to be a caliphate in the Muslim world. So, Mr. Erdogan, Mr. Fascist Islamist Erdogan, who seeks to bring back the Islamic rule, you were unable to bring back a caliphate before the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> so that puts it in perspective about the time period that's passed. And since we're talking baseball, you know, I think we have, and I've had this, I've made this metaphor before, this discussion before, but it really is apropos this week as the country is focused on a World Series that we'll be telling our kids, our grandkids about, that we watched those pitches, those extra innings in which we thought the Indians were going to bring two championships to Cleveland, but ultimately the Cleveland Indians squandered a 3-1 series lead and lost to the story of destiny that the Chicago Cubs were going to win. And the question is, how many Muslim homes, how many Muslim households in America will be having that conversation? I think many. I think a lot of us are baseball fans, partake and believe in America's pastime. I know I played on a little softball extra intramural team or extracurricular team, but still, if you look into the ranks of baseball players, there are very few, if any, Muslim players in baseball teams, much fewer than you see in basketball, Olympic sports, as we discussed a few podcasts ago, and football, which has a number of Muslim players. Why is that? And, you know, we can make a lot of uh, discussions and uh, excuses, if you will. I don't think it has to do with diversity issues in baseball. Yes, pro sports has its challenges when it comes to diversity. And those challenges were addressed in the 2014 racial and gender report card. And actually, baseball scored an A grade in that report card, other than a C on women's issues. But... At the end of the day, there's very little evidence to show that there's a systematic prevention of Muslims from getting into baseball. And the problem is obviously the pipeline. Do Muslim families encourage their kids to play t-ball, to play baseball and softball in grade school and junior high and then into college? And, you know, I think the the bottom line is a cultural one. America, the, you know, professional football obviously has its unique aspects and we're beginning to see games in London, but it's similar to rugby and there are other games that, that have its commonalities with professional football, though it does have its distinctly American rules and premises. But baseball is uniquely American. It is America's pastime. And I think that, call it assimilation, a term which I don't like very much because it implies some type of 
compromise or surrender of your original identity, which I don't think you have to do to fall in love and, and be American first with our country. But I do think that there is a lot to learn about the fact that so many other cultures and faiths do take up baseball as a sport that they watch and they embrace through the 162-game season and throw the ball with their kids in the backyard, do pickup games, and make it part of the, the culture of their own neighborhoods and their own persona as a family. And, and listen, my family escaped from Syria. And no, I did not grow up. Uh, I remember <laughs> trying to teach my parents baseball. And as much as they loved pro football and soccer and other games that had a more national face, trying to explain baseball to two actually very intelligent parents, physician and pharmacist with graduate degrees, was just a, a almost impossible adventure sometimes. And and I don't think it's because they, they couldn't have got it if they put their head to it, but it was just something that didn't interest them. So, you know, I think if you look at some of the some of the numbers, um and and you know, there was if you look through history there's I believe identified as I as I did some research on this one Muslim baseball player and that is Sam Khalifa. And Sam Khalifa actually is from the Tucson area here in Arizona. And um, he was the number seven overall pick in the 1982 Major League Baseball draft. He played shortstop and second base for the Pirates for a better part of three seasons in the 80s. Um, he's from Saguaro High School here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I'm sorry, in Tucson. And... What's fascinating is that uh, he is the son of Rashad Khalifa. And I don't want to get too deep into what Rashad did, but Rashad Khalifa was a very controversial figure who ran a reform movement out of Tucson called Submission.org. I think it still exists. Uh, he was assassinated. Uh, and he was assassinated in... Uh, I believe in the in 1990 or 1991, but his son had been in baseball for three years, and then quit or retired after the assassination of his father. And what's amazing is that here's say what you want. There are many aspects to submission.org that I disagree with. They completely disavow the sayings of the prophet, the hadith, and other things. So it's it's quite. Uh, beyond the reforms that I look at, but his assassination, his discourse and challenge and critique of authority in Islam, and to do so as a Muslim, because the ultimate definition of Islam is submission, so clearly Rashad believed in submission. And we can get into what that movement actually did, but as you look at one of the core pastimes, his son embraced a distinctly American pastime and made it to the pros. And if you look in history, amazingly, the only Muslim to ever make it into the pro baseball field. Now, there are some managers that can be identified uh, that are Muslim. I believe uh, Farhan Zaidi 
is uh, was a general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the Cubs assistant general manager at some point was Shiraz Rahman. Uh, so there are Muslims, obviously, in some of the leadership, but not on the field. And how many are in the stands? How many knew that the Cubs and the Indians this year were headed towards the World Series? And I think this is part of the American culture that we need to address as Muslims, not ideologically, but simply in our spirit, in our sense of belonging to the country we love. Love is, like in a marriage, an embrace of the passions that you may not bring into that marriage, but that your partner brings with them into your marriage. When you fall in love with your country, that love involves embracing passions that that country has that you may not have had coming to that country. And I think that's what's been missing in the message that we teach our children. Embracing the passions of the country that we live in and making them our own passions because they are distinctly American and it makes us love them because they are distinctly American. I've not seen that as much as I'd like to. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.